This is John 17, verses 6 through 19. I have revealed to you, to those whom you gave me out of the world, they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one who doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the, word ha the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Word of the Lord. Thanks, Kaylin. All right, let me pray for us. Lord, uh, speak to us now. Uh, teach us now, Holy Spirit, um, as we just sang, have your way. Um, Lord, maybe uh, this morning we're coming in here um, just dragging uh, from the last month. Maybe we're coming in here excited about the year to come. I don't know. Uh, but Lord, I pray uh, that you would have your way uh, this morning. You'd apply this truth to our hearts uh, and that you'd lead us um, and set us free uh, call us on mission with you uh, in this upcoming year. We love you. Your name, amen. <clears throat> if my voice sounds weak, it's because I've been screaming at my sons to slow down on snow skis. Uh, so you can pray for my voice uh, as, we, as, we, as I teach and as we prepare to come to the table. But um, I was thinking about, you know, it's the new year, so as you're thinking about a lot of things, uh, New Year's resolutions and that of the sort. Um, and I got thinking, uh, what would it be like if the way New Year's resolutions worked was is that someone else got to make them for you and that you actually had to go along with the resolution that someone else made for you? So some of you are thinking about the resolutions that you would like to have other people in your life live up to. But um, yeah, what would that be like? Because uh, most New Year's res resolutions, the way that it works, right, is, is that, that we make them, right? And uh, most of those resolutions, oftentimes, they're short-lived. Uh, I was doing some research on this. And the number one reason researchers have found that New Year's resolutions don't stick is that they're not specific enough. That's what they, they always come back to is, is that People say things like, well, I don't want to lose weight or I want to change the, you know, this kind of habit in my life, but they don't get specific enough 
New Year's resolutions, um, most of them are, are willpower-fueled. They're self-determined. They're self-focused. It's all about me, self-betterment. Like, I've been considering, uh, and I haven't said this out loud, so I guess I'm about to, running a marathon this year. The reason I haven't said it out loud is because then I don't have to feel ashamed when I don't actually end up running a marathon <laughs> this year. But I know if I'm going to do that, right, if I'm going to run a marathon this year, it's going to require training, it's going to require commitment. It's probably going to require some, not probably, it's definitely going to require some form of accountability. It's going to require community, a group of people around me. It's going to require time. It's going to require focus, right? To run a marathon, I'm going to have to suffer in order to reach that goal. And I'm going to have to sacrifice other things that I value, like the value of not running. <laughs> I have that value, Right? But all these resolutions, all these things, I mean, it's very natural this time of year. Like, all right, come on, bootstraps, right? Maybe some of you are at church for the first time in a long time because you're like, okay, this is the year I'm going to get back to church. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, I hope you stick around. If God has brought you to this church, I hope you stay here because what you'll find when you stay at this church is you'll find people uh, who the gospel is transforming. And if you get to know those people, your life will be different a year from now. I can guarantee that. But if you stick here, if you get to know the people in this room who are on this journey, who are on this marathon together of life, your life will be different. Because that's what we're doing here. That's what, that's what the church is, is, is we're a group of people on a pilgrimage, on a journey. And so the next three weeks, I'm going to spend some time kind of recasting, I say recasting vision, because it's not a new vision, but a vision for why we exist as the church in Creve Hall in this area. Like, why did Midtown, we're, if you don't know this, Midtown, we're one of four congregations. Why did Midtown not just grow into one gigantic church, right? Why did we decide to, and we're going to, how will even announce this at the end of the day, plant more congregations? Why are we a church that believes in sending people back into their neighborhoods and saying that that's the most effective way that we can see us as individuals and as a community grow in the gospel. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks as we kind of consider as a group, what would it be like for us to be on this journey together? And so I've been praying for us, and there are three words that have kind of emerged in my heart and my mind uh, that came out of this prayer that Caitlin just read. It's one prayer in John 17 uh, it's a very famous prayer. It's called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer, and he prays this for his disciples right before he's going to be crucified. And these are the three words. So you can write these down, and you can hold me accountable to actually coming back and, and talking about these things, all right? These are, these are the three things I've been praying for us. The first one is this, that we be sanctified by the truth this year. Because that's what we're going to talk about this morning, that Jesus prays this prayer, sanctify them by the truth. That's what I'm praying about. Second thing is, is that we'd be a sent people. He talks about being sent into the world. So sanctified by the truth, sent to the world. And then lastly, sustained by the Lord in that journey, okay? So sanctified, sent, sustained. I'm praying that these words would be what we're marked by as a group, as a community in this upcoming year. That we'd embrace this mindset of marathoners. And that this is the race that we're running together. It's not just our own individual goals for ourselves, 
but rather the spiritual fitness, the spiritual fitness, God's vision for us, that God wants to work into all of us as disciples and as his followers. He's praying for us. Jesus is praying for us here, and he's saying, I want you to sanctify them by the truth, set them apart by the truth, renew them by the truth. Here's some truth from the Bible about you and me. If you're in Christ this morning, this is 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You hear that? You're chosen, your royal priesthood, your holy nation, you're his special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He's saying, I want you to be sanctified by that truth. The word sanctified, we'll get into this in a second, literally. In, in its most basic form, literally means that I've been set apart by him for a purpose. He has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what this table represents. You've been set apart by him for a purpose. He has saved us from something, from our sins, and he saved us to something, to a new mission, to a new life, to declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into light. Just in that one verse, he says that you've been given a completely new identity. You've been chosen. You're holy. You're a royal priest, and you're his special possession. He's set you apart. He's given you a new identity. And as a result of that new identity, we have a new activity as the people of God. That we could grasp his vision and declare his praise. So as royal priests, right, he says there that you're a royal priesthood, I want to look at this high priestly prayer because a life of prayer is something that Jesus modeled for us. And it's something, when I say sanctified by the truth, when he says it here, I want that to become a prayer for us this year. That we'd be sanctified by the truth, that prayer would become a mark of us as spiritual marathoners because it was a mark of Jesus' race and how he ran the race that was set before him. It was a picture of what it looks like to have a life of dependence on God the Father for all things. So as we look at this prayer, I want us to join and consider joining Jesus' prayer for us so that we can join his work through us, all right? So three things. We see in just one, really one verse in this prayer, two verses, three verses. <laughs> Jesus sanctified for us, us sanctified by him and for him. And then thirdly, if we get to it, praying the words of truth, okay? Jesus sanctified for us. Secondly, us sanctified by him and for him, and then praying the words of truth. Verse 17, Jesus says this, Sanctify them by the truth. 
your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus is saying that he sanctifies himself so that we can truly be sanctified. Jesus' sanctification, the focus of his sanctification, has our good at the center, has our sanctification at the center of it. So let me just give you a basic definition of what does it mean to be sanctified, because it's not a word that we throw around, you know. Nobody has that on their New Year's resolution list, right? What do you hope to? Oh, I hope to be more sanctified this year, right? No? I've never heard anybody say that to me as one of their New Year's resolutions. What does it mean to be sanctified? Well, the essence of that word, like if you study that actual word in the Bible in the original language, it's synonymous with the word holy. And it, it, it simply means this, I'm set apart for a specific purpose. I've been prepared. Something has happened for me and in me and to me and through me, and now I have this new purpose. It's wonderful. I don't have to come up with a New Year's resolution. I don't have to make it up. I don't have to decide it for myself. Jesus has plenty of vision for my life. To be sanctified means to be set apart and prepared for a specific purpose. Westminster Confession of Faith, it's one of the historic confessions of faith, says it like this. I have it written here somewhere. Sanctification is the free work of God's grace. So it's something that God does in us. It's not our effort, right? Whereby we are renewed. So God is renewing us in the whole man after the image of God. So I'm taking over your entire life. I don't want just like your weight loss promises, right? I want your whole self, your whole self renewed in the image of God. And therefore you're enabled more and more to die to sin and more and more to live to righteousness. You hear what he's saying there? I'm being renewed in the image of God and I'm dying more and more to sin, which sin has what? Has me and myself at the center. That's what sin does. Sin always moves me to the center, not have your way. It's have my way, right? So to be sanctified is to be set apart from a life where it's all about my way, and now I'm actually set free to live more and more in righteousness, which means to have Christ at the center of my life. It's what I was created for. It's what you were created for. And Jesus says, I'm sanctifying myself for them. We know that Jesus, you know, I just talked about that sanctification is, is dying to sin. Jesus didn't sin. Mitch read me a, a verse this morning out of Hebrews, says that he was tempted in every way and yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted in every way, but he, he was without sin. He was holy. He was righteous. So what Jesus is saying to us when he says, I sanctify myself, he's saying, I am embracing God the Father's call on my life to be set apart for a specific purpose. And that is what this table represents. The specific purpose was to come and do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. No matter how many resolutions I make, no matter how many, I'm never going to do it again, I say. Jesus is saying, I get it. You can make all those promises all you want. You, I don't need your promises to me. You need my promises to you. 
And he's saying, I'm being sanctified. I'm choosing to do that. Like John 10, no one takes my life from me. The Father has given me the authority to actually lay down my life, and that's what I'm choosing to do. I'm gladly choosing to do it because you are my chosen, holy, special, treasured possession, child. Jesus is sanctified for us. Don't you see? That's what we need. We need him to do something for us, not us to do something. And he's saying, when I, when I sanctify myself for you, and when I sanctify myself and I bring glory to the Father by doing what he has sent me to do, I'm accomplishing redemption. And when I do that, then you are now set free to live into your mission, which is, is what? I was meant to bring glory to the Lord as well. I was meant to be sanctified so that in word and deed, I can be an ambassador that displays I'm someone who lives as I'm chosen now. I am holy now. I am dearly loved now. And so as a result of having that secure identity, I'm set free now to come and do the will of the Father. Jesus is praying this because he's saying that we have to pray and he's modeling for us, he's teaching us by praying this, that God has to do that work in our lives, that it's only in him sanctifying us, that my will will actually be conformed to his will. It's part of the reason I don't pray that much. Confession number one, your pastor struggles to pray. Why? Because I don't want my will to be conformed to his often. I want his will to be conformed to mine. And Jesus is showing us that if we're going to be sanctified in the truth, if we're going to be set apart that in prayer, our main concern is to have our will conform to His will. What Jesus is asking the Father to do here is simply what the Father's will is already about. He's literally, He's praying this prayer. It, it might as well be the Lord's prayer. He's saying, Thy will be done through me. Jesus is sanctified for us. And he says there, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Us sanctified by him and for him. Jesus is sanctified for us so that we might be sanctified by him and for him. Renewed or renovated for him, for his purposes, set apart. Not by our own effort, not by our own success, not for our own glory, but by his work and by his grace and for his glory. I wonder, and I'm asking you to consider this, would you join him in this prayer this year? There's a lot of things we could say about prayer, and I'm, I, I've been praying that prayer would become a mark of our community this year, but I'm asking us to pray this prayer. 
Lord, would you sanctify me by the truth? Would this be a year where I experience what it means that you have set me apart, that you have made me chosen, holy, and dearly loved, that I'm your special possession? Would you sanctify me, and would you use your word and prayer to do that? Would you, would you use your truth to do that? And this is a, this is a serious prayer, y'all. I'm calling you to run the marathon, right? I'm asking you to let me set your, your New Year's resolution. <laughs> or let the Lord, not me. This, this is a prayer like when, when you're in court and you put your hand on the Bible and you say that I want to be sanctified by the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, right? That's a serious moment. When you pray this prayer, it, it's like signing up for a, for a marathon training coach, right? You guys... Have you seen uh, this, the show Running Wild with Bear Grylls? You guys know who Bear Grylls is? Yes. I mean, this dude's nuts, right? And that's oftentimes what people experience when they get on that show. It's kind of like, yeah, no, it's awesome. And then they realize, holy cow, I'm, I'm in over my head here. You're with me, Bear Grylls, right? You're going to make sure that I don't die, Bear Grylls. But, but you're going to push me into places and into things that maybe I wouldn't choose for myself. You're going to challenge, and that's what this prayer does. Sanctify me by the truth. It, it challenges my presuppositions about life. It's going to challenge where you get your value and you get your identity. It's going to challenge how you use your time. It's going to challenge who you accept into your friend circle. It's going to challenge how much of your life still revolves around you and your glory. I started praying this prayer last week. My family, uh, my wife's family graciously includes us in a ski trip uh, after Christmas uh, to Colorado. And I knew I was going to preach this <clears throat> sermon, so I started praying this prayer. I was like, well, I should actually do this, and I'm going to ask everybody else to do this. Sanctify me by the truth, right? And um, let me just tell you, taking your children snow skiing is a sanctifying experience. Um, imagine the beach with more gear um, and, and getting them bundled up so they look like giant marshmallows. They can't move. They're sweating constantly. Uh, it's a ripe environment for sanctification. <laughs> it was profoundly humbling uh, because what I realized in this process is my will was constantly being challenged by the needs around me. What I wanted to happen, how I wanted things to go, was constantly being challenged by the needs of the people around me. <laughs> hey, Ford. It was profoundly humbling. Because when I began to pray this prayer, what I began to see was is how unlike Jesus I still can be. And how much I need him even to love my own children well. I began to realize pretty quickly I can't even act like Jesus when I'm doing high-end recreation that I'm not paying for with my own children. And the mission that he's calling them on to is, is much more challenging than that. And the mission he's calling us to is much deeper than that. Things like, what does it look like for us to love our enemies? 
What does it look like to live a life of selfless, laying down our lives, love for the people in the world around us? So praying this prayer, joining Jesus' kind of resolution, not a new year resolution, but a, a new life resolution, because he says you're a new creation in Christ because of what I've done for you. The old is gone, the new has come. This is who you are now. This is not just kind of tweaking a little bit of my spiritual self-improvement. This is a prayer that, that reflects what this table is about and what this prayer that Jesus is praying for us is all about, which is, is I've come in so that you will get out and over yourself. I've come to set you free from yourself. And so as the church, because this isn't just a prayer for us as, as, as individuals. We can read this so much like this is about me as an individual. This is a prayer for us as the church, as a body of people to be collectively set free from self-first thinking and on mission now to live and love and leverage what has been given to us by Jesus for the world around us. We're the ambassadors of this message. I've been, I've been sanctified. He has sanctified himself for me, and now I'm being sanctified for him. Well, how do we do that? I've got too many notes, too little time, and I think we need to get to the table. Last thing is this. Would we begin to pray? As I was studying this prayer, I was haunted by this. Do my prayers look like the prayers that I see in Scripture? Do I actually pray the things that I see Jesus or Peter or Paul or anybody, David, in the Bible? Do my, do my prayers actually, are they formed or do they reflect, are they like a lump of clay in the hands of a potter being shaped by the words of Scripture? And so, even as we're looking at this prayer, I'm asking you to consider when I say, would you pray that God would sanctify you by the truth? I'm, I'm asking you to consider this. Would I begin to begin to pray the actual Scriptures and the words of truth and let my prayers be shaped by those? Not just that we'd be a community that's marked more by prayer, that we pray more frequently, but that we would actually have our prayers be the place where God applies his word and his will to our lives by the Holy Spirit. Because when you learn how to pray the scriptures, and I wish if we had time to do it this morning, I'd, we could walk through exactly what this you know, looks like. But when we begin to pray the scriptures, the scriptures are a sanctifying force through prayer. Jesus is modeling this. He's showing us that prayer is the chief way that we nurture and cultivate our union with God. Galatians 5 says, you live by the Spirit. This is how you actually stay in step with the Spirit. Praying the words of truth, praying the Scriptures is how we keep from cultivating a relationship with a God of our own imaginations. Remember sanctification, it's being, being renewed in the image of God. Oftentimes, my prayers are trying to make him into my image, not, Lord, make me into your image. 
Praying the word, praying the scriptures is how we keep from cultivating a relationship with God of my own imagination. When I pray the scriptures, I actually begin to pray in the way as God has revealed himself in the word and in the person of Christ. One of the questions I have to ask myself a lot of times, and this is a hard question to ask, but praying the word exposes this. Is If I find in my own life that I believe that God wants all the same things for me that I want for me, how can I be sure that he's leading me? When I believe that God wants all the same things for me, how I want them for me, how can I be sure that it's him that's leading me? Because if I look to the word, even if we look at this prayer and where this prayer sits in Scripture, right before the cross, he's showing us that following him, that being on mission with him, that living into the vision that he has for our lives, it's going to involve difficulty. It's going to involve suffering. That's going to be a part of following him. He says it really clearly, even right before this in John, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. When I pray the word, when I pray the scriptures, when I let his truth begin to shape my prayers, can even embrace things like difficulty will be a part of following him, but difficulty will be an opportunity for his glory because that's what's happening with Jesus right now. His glory to show in and through us. Because as his children, those who are made in his image, we face difficulty differently. Because we don't face it alone. We have him and we have one another. And we also know that that difficulty does not have the final say. This table and what this table represents has the final say. I challenge you, one challenge for this week, Psalm 23. Go, go. Spend every day this week in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a marathoner's prayer. I think you, I, you could argue the fact that that one prayer of David alone could take you through your whole race of life if you would let it train your heart, if you would let it sanctify you, set you apart and teach you about who you are and whose you are, what life will have in it for you but the promises, goodness, the promises that come in that prayer. You anoint my head with oil. That's a, that's, a, that's a sanctifying term. That's a term of choice. I've chosen you. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 reminds us who God is, who we are, how he provides, how he leads, how he protects and sustains in difficulty, how we are chosen and set apart, our future is secure and that we're never alone. It's a prayer for the whole of life. And that's just one of the prayers in the Bible. If we're going to live sanctified, Remember, that's, that's our first thing we're talking about in these next three weeks. If we're going to live into our identity that we are set apart, 
If we're going to be those, as Jesus framed it, who love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves, it's impossible. It will be impossible if I don't let God love me, comfort us, remind us of the truth, sustain us, make our joy complete if we do not remain in him because apart from him, we cannot do this. So as we pray the words of truth and we learn to pray those words of truth, it changes our prayers and it sets us free. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to come to the table. Lord, thank you uh, for this word that you sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. And Lord, that you have a mission for us, that you've sent us into the world as you were sent into the world. And for them, I sanctify myself that they may truly be sanctified. Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, that we would see the significance of what you've done for us, that you sanctified yourself for us, Lord, that as we come to this table, you would sanctify us uh, by the truth that this table represents. And Lord, that we begin to be people uh, who learn to pray the way that you prayed. Lord, that we pray the words of truth and that those words, uh, that your holy scriptures, we begin to shape our hearts, our minds, and our visions and the very things that we ask for uh, from you and for you and through you. This we pray in your name. Amen.